Today, this podcast is being recorded on Awabakal and Waramai land. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. Welcome into the realm of sluts and blood magic, where we work together to heal period shame, heal our pussies and wombs, and find the way to a more pleasurable period and sex life. I'm your host, Jem Campbell, a nutritionist, dietitian, sexologist, period empowerment guide, and menstrual blood witch. If you love the podcast, remember to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and so we can reach and empower as many sluts and womb holders as possible. Let's get into this week's episode. All right, welcome back to Blood Slut, folks. Today we're delving back into tools and healing modalities and self-soothing things to help you cope and manage your PMDD and PME symptoms. So I wanted to chat again about migraine because there was a few things that I didn't mention in the previous episode because migraine and ADHD brain are a bit of a mess together. So if you're unfamiliar with migraine maybe you only get headaches and migraines around your uh, your luteal phase in your period or maybe you have just started getting them and you're not really sure how to cope with them um, as a long-term migraine haver oh fuck this reflux um here's a few tips so a really great thing to do when you have a migraine attack is to jump in the shower if you can move. Sometimes you're not going to be able to. Um, is to actually jump in the shower and put it up like reasonably hot. Um, not so you're burning your skin, but quite warm, which might sound a bit wild. Do that for um, maybe like a couple of minutes. Get your body nice and warm. And then you're going to switch it really quickly to cold. And you're going to stand in that freezing cold motherfucking water until you are freezing your tits off and then you're going to turn it off and then you're going to get out and dry yourself. And what that does is the hot water causes vasodilation of the blood vessels and then the cold water causes vasoconstriction or is it the other way around? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And what that does is when you get out, no, that's right, I'm pretty sure. When you get out, your blood vessels should actually go back to normal because that quick change between the hot and the cold water should actually put reset your um your blood vessels a little bit. It might not completely make the migraine go away, but it might help ease it. And it works. I I do this a fair bit when I have a migraine. Um, now if you've got one of those migraines where you literally cannot get out of bed, the first thing you want to do is hopefully you have someone around who can support you. If you don't, you're a bit fucked, but try and make your way to the freezer, grab yourself an ice pack. I highly recommend the headache hat. Um, I'll also put a link to that in the bio, uh, in my, in the, in the show notes. Um, it's basically a, an ice hat that velcros around kind of like a beanie onto your head and it is oh my god I don't know how I lived without it before like I do not know how I fucking lived with that motherfucker before 
Um, I've only had it for probably like six months or more. Mwah, amazing. It's like $100, but it's so worth the investment, honestly. So whack that on. Um, it stays cold for about three hours, maybe two. If it's a hot day, um, strap that onto your head. And as well as that, get an ice pack and put it on your feet. Um, my friend actually told me that and it works so well. If you don't have access to an ice pack, um, even jumping in like a cold pool or in the ocean, um, say you're on a walk or you're maybe you live close to the beach and you feel a migraine coming on, literally just go and have a swim in the ocean. Sometimes I find that so fucking relieving for my migraines. Um, my chronic pain doesn't really like it though because of the cold water. So if you have chronic pain, be careful with going in cold water because that can actually tense up your muscles and exacerbate your pain. Um, but if you don't have like any other like muscle, uh, muscular chronic pain, you're sweet. Um, um, obviously I mentioned magnesium in last week's episode, lavender oil, really good green lights as well. So sniffing a little bit of lavender oil is actually some studies coming out about la- uh, sniffing lavender oil. There was another oil as well, but I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm trying to remember all the things I learned at the migraine summit. Then, uh, yeah, green light. There's been some studies to suggest that green light for migraines is actually good. So if you have those lights in your bedroom that change color, put it on a green light. Um, and then before you go to bed, put it on a red light because that stimulates the production of melatonin. That's also really great if you're someone who experiences insomnia or struggles to calm down at night. Um, red light, great for that. Also, obviously, limiting screen time before bed, um, turning off screens like one to two hours before bed and just reading a book or meditating, doing some yin yoga, having a dance, masturbating, whatever you want to do um, to calm yourself down before bed. Masturbating before bed and having an orgasm is uh, having an orgasm also is really, really great falling to sleep because it will just fucking knock you out. And this is due to the stimulation of oxytocin, which is a really relaxing hormone. So also room temperature with uh, preventing migraine and getting a good night's sleep, because in order to prevent migraine, we need a good night's sleep and we need to go into a deep sleep. So yeah, that nighttime sleep hygiene shit, really fucking important. Making sure that you have a really good nighttime routine. Also something I'm working on. Um... (laughs) You know, making sure you're winding down, avoiding the screens, making sure the room is not hot and it's kind of a cooler temperature is really important. And I actually use an app called Sleep Cycle, which tracks um, the kind of depth of sleep that I go into. And I've actually learned from that that I actually don't go like stay in a very in a deep sleep for very long when I sleep, which is actually quite common for people uh, with migraine. So, yeah, if that's you, then definitely making sure that you're tracking your sleep. And if you are noticing that your sleep is like looking like up and down, up and down, and you're not actually going down into that deep sleep consistently throughout the night and you're waking up and coming in and out of sleep, making sure that you really stop that screen time and even chatting to your doctor or chatting to your neurologist as well about that. Because if you're getting migraines a lot, even if it's just episodic migraine, even if it's just premenstrual migraine, um, and it's not chronic, go and see a neurologist because potentially Botox might still be helpful for you. 
Um, and it's always best to get a specialist opinion because some GPs, most GPs, I would say, actually don't really know a lot about the treatment, different treatments for migraine and they will just chuck you on preventative medications and they, they can actually um, over time actually lead you to having relapses and actually have a rebound effect. So make sure you do your research, make sure you're understanding, definitely um, check out the Migraine Summit. Um, I, do, I think you might be able to buy some of the videos. I'm not really sure how it works, but I got them all for free. Just editing me, popping in to let you know that. I've put a link in the show notes to the World Migraine Summit. Um, there's heaps of great podcasts on migraine. Um, just literally look up migraine podcasts and you'll find heaps of information. Um, I will be doing some later episodes on migraine. Um, I feel very confident and I know a lot. So I will be doing some more just to help you if you are getting premenstrual migraine. But I'm not going to go into it anymore because I've already rambled on about migraine for a long time. Or oh, another great herbal supplement that I really recommend that I've used to take a lot is um, Stress Ease by Herbs of Gold. So Herbs of Gold is the brand. Stress Ease has those uh, those herbs I was talking about before. So it has ashwagandha, which is also known as withania. Um, it has rhodiola, licorice root, and a couple of other things. It's really, really great. It's a tablet, um, but you can get that herbal formula made up as a liquid as well if you would like. Um, I've also heard pregnenolone is, can be effective for some people taking 50 milligrams of that a day. Now I bought a bottle of pregnenolone and if anyone wants it, you can have it because I had a bit really bad reaction to it. Um, don't let that scare you though, because I have a lot of weird reactions to a lot of different things because I have a very sensitive body. Um, so a lot of medications like herbs, alternative health treatments, I have weird reactions to. Yeah, I'll put all these things in the show notes so you know like the spelling of them and stuff. Pregnenolone, you might have to order online if you can't find it locally. I had to. Um, I had a really bad panic attack from it uh, and I don't have panic attacks anymore. So that was a little bit strange. Um, it was definitely caused by that. So yes, be just, you know mindful with that one um another thing that I wanted to talk about with overall uh health because the better your overall health is the more reduced um this <laughs> the more reduction in severity of your PMDD and PME symptoms okay so we want to make sure our immune systems are really strong so some herbs that I have personally found really helpful for uh, immunity astragalus, drinking um, immunity teas, so just going to your local bulk food store and getting an immunity tea with things like turmeric, nettle I think is really good, usually has yeah things like that, ginger, um, all those really great immune boosting things, echinacea, garlic, things like that. Um, obviously you won't drink garlic in a tea but you can get supplements and obviously just eating shitloads of garlic in your diet, really great. Oh, medicinal mushrooms, really, really good. So if you have a look on, um, I'll put the place in the show notes that I get my, uh, Brody and I get our medicinal mushrooms from, from, I used to get mine from Superfeast and their products are quite good, but Brody did some research and actually found that this place is better and actually uses more of the fruiting body, um, which has more of the, um, good shit in it that we need. So 
yeah, just be careful where you get your medicinal mushrooms from because some are actually like kind of a bit of a waste of money and they're actually using a lot of fillers and a lot of things in there. I might have to get Brody on for an episode to talk about medicinal mushrooms because they know a lot more than me Um, because they are like great for so many things. Yeah, so the medicinal mushroom that's really good for immunity is turkey tail. And no, you're not literally eating turkey tail. It's a type of mushroom. Um, so don't worry, vegan babes. Um, yeah, it's literally just in a powdered form. You can also get it as a liquid, I think. Um, and like I said, I'll put the brand in the show notes that we get ours. Um, and I just chuck that in my smoothie every morning. Or you can have it in a tea or your coffee or your cacao. Um, you do really need to like mix it up though because it, it is really sticky. Because like think about a mushroom, it's quite sticky. So you do really need to mix it up in there um really hardcore um something else that another medicinal mushroom that I really really love is um, lion's mane and that's really good for your cognitive function and for yeah just your brain function really great if you're someone with ADHD so if you find that your ADHD gets exacerbated uh during your uh, luteal phase with PME then lion's mane, really, really good for you. <laughs> Keep doing thumbs up. Thumbs up with my titties. Um, oh, I need to stretch my legs out. Fuck me. Yeah, so lion's mane, uh, reishi, really, really good if you're someone who is anxious and struggles to get to sleep. It's a really great medicinal mushroom to take at night um, with like in some like hot milk or something. Um, I don't take reishi anymore because I find it actually makes me really like way too horny and I actually get a bit of restless genital syndrome. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's pretty cooked. Um, so yeah, reishi, really great. There's tons of other medicinal mushrooms. Just honestly have a Google around, see what is the best fit for you and the symptoms that you're experiencing. Even if you're listening to this and you don't have PMDD or PME, you're simply here for education or to help a partner, I would look into these things for yourself because if you have any kind of mental illness or you're immunocompromised or um, maybe even just like you have um, allergy problems or something like that, like medicinal mushrooms, can there's, there's honestly a mushroom for everything. Um, so yeah, look into that and you can take several different ones at a time as well. Um, all right, I might, oh yeah, I'll just quickly mention raspberry leaf tea. So raspberry leaf tea is an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. And when we have things like chronic pain, migraine, PMDD, PME, mental illness, any kind of chronic condition, there's going to be some kind of inflammatory shit, inflammation going on in our body. Um, So it's really important that we eat and drink a lot of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant rich foods and things. Um, So raspberry leaf tea is also really good if you get uh, menstrual cramps um, and it's actually really, really good for digestion as well. So if you find you're getting really bloated, maybe you get quite like me, you get really constipated. in the you know in your luteal phase right before you bleed then also that's really great um there's this supplement that's actually also really helped me with constipation and it's called um k-fiber 
Um, again, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it is sugarcane fiber, actually. And you just, it kind of tastes a little bit like flour and you just put it in a um, glass of water, mix it up and it's actually not that bad to drink. It's actually quite pleasant. And that has really, really helped because um, I, I ate a lot of fiber in my diet, but because um, of my stress, my pelvic floor is really tight, which means that I'm very prone to constipation because the tighter your pelvic floor is, naturally, the harder it's going to be to relax your bowels and do a poo. Um, so yeah, if you are a constipation babe like me, that's what you need. Um, what else? Of course, eating a balanced diet and a nutritious diet rich in leafy greens, dark colored fruits and vegetables. So think blueberries, blackberries, eggplant, cabbage, anything with like that dark reddy purpley color is really high in antioxidants and is going to be really beneficial for you. Um, and the more healthier, food that you eat the better you're going to feel the more balanced your body is going to be making sure that you're eating enough protein and carbs is also really really important um making sure you know you're aware of any food tolerances that you might have that might be exacerbating symptoms really important you can do food intolerance testing through a naturopath um also just yeah, being aware if you're maybe sensitive to high FODMAP foods. Um, so high FODMAP foods are basically just different food groups that are high in specific specific compounds, specific things that can um, give you like kind of IBS type symptoms. So a lot of people with irritable bowel syndrome are really sensitive to high FODMAP foods, um, garlic, onion, there's some examples, um, bananas, uh, like, so fructose, the F is for fructose. So any fruits that are high in fructose may be a trigger for you. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're high in like all of the FODMAP foods, but just getting the Monash FODMAP app might be a really good idea for you. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. And if you're struggling with any nutrition stuff and you want like a meal plan done for you, or you just want some more nutrition education that's really individualized, then just keep in mind, I do offer nutrition coaching sessions as well as sex and nutrition coaching hybrid sessions. And the details to those will be in the show notes. Um, so yeah, Obviously, limiting caffeine and alcohol because these are going to exacerbate anxiety, panic, depression, um, migraine, (laughs) headache, uh, chronic pain. They're going to exacerbate everything. If you live with PMDD and PME, uh, I would say especially avoid alcohol during your luteal phase and your bleed. Um, And... I would say probably avoid it altogether if you can. Like, obviously, no problem having a drink or two every now and then, but I wouldn't be binge drinking or going drinking beyond four drinks at any one occasion. Um, that's actually the limit that, as dietitians and um, the World Health Organization actually deems as binge drinking, is anything over four standard drinks per occasion. So essentially per day, um, which is crazy when you think about, especially in Australian culture, we have a massive binge drinking culture here and alcohol is inflammatory. It's 
toxic. It's literally carcinogenic. Um, it is a, it is a literal toxin. So we do not want to be putting that shit into our bodies. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to guilt you for drinking it. If you want to have a drink every now and then, fucking go for it, babe. Because, you know, sometimes we need to fucking drink sometimes. And I honestly miss drinking alcohol. If you live with chronic migraine, though, I would not be drinking alcohol at all. Um, and like I said before, making sure that if you're drinking liquid herbal supplements, that they are alcohol-free ones. Um, so yeah, chat to your naturopath about that. Oh, and then obviously, yeah, with alcohol comes poor decision-making, reckless behavior, especially during PMDD time. Like you're already prone to that anyway. So I would be definitely avoiding uh, having big nights on the grog during that time. Um, there's also, I'm fairly sure there's research evidence to support this. Don't quote me on this, but I'm in a few Facebook groups. So there's a few like PMDD and PME support groups on Facebook, which I highly recommend looking at. They can be a little bit triggering sometimes. So probably don't look at them while you're in your PMDD time. Um, I would probably just try and look at them. Yeah, when you're in the other phases of your cycle where you're feeling a bit better. But a lot of people will talk about treatments that have worked for them on there. And the antihistamine loratadine is really, really good for PMDD. It might not work for everyone, but it might be worth a try. It's quite cheap. Um, well, not cheap, but like it's not hella expensive and just have like one a night and yeah, just track your symptoms and see if you notice a difference. I used to take it last year and I actually definitely noticed a difference in my symptoms and I, I just stopped taking it because antihistamines can affect your libido and I did kind of notice it was affecting my libido a little bit. So I just had a break from it, but I'm actually about to start taking it again soon. So, um, again, I will put that in the show notes. Um, there's a really, you know, in Australia, there's a brand called Demizen, which is a lot cheaper than Clarentine. So, you know, you'll know Clarentine Clear, like you'll be Clarentine Clear. So Clarentine and Demizen both have Loratadin in them. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Loratadin. Yeah. Anyway, but Demizen's cheaper and it literally has the same amount of it. So just go with Demizen. Heaps cheaper. Um, once again, these aren't paid advertisements or sponsors. Now, talking more about pharmaceuticals, obviously um, SSRIs have been really good uh, and and are well known for treating PMDD um, and obviously depression, anxiety, OCD. So yeah, um, obviously things like escitalopram can be good, but once again, like they come with side effects and, you know, can often, yeah, often you can't orgasm or your sex drive might get a bit fucked up or your appetite or things. But I mean, sometimes that's better than living with um, a premenstrual disorder. So it's up to you to discern that one. Um, I would 100% be taking an SSRI if I could. I unfortunately get really bad restless leg syndrome whenever I take antidepressants so yeah that's not fun um and I really don't like it when people say like it's a band-aid I guess sometimes it can be but PMDD and PME are often conditions that like I said like they're not you can't really cure them (laughs) so 
you know, sometimes like it's not a band-aid. Sometimes it's literally just a way of coping with something. And if you've tried a lot of other treatments and nothing's working and antidepressants are the only thing that works for you, then there's no shame in that. And if even if you're someone who mostly, like me, prefers herbal and um, more like, uh, I guess, natural, quote-unquote, like medicine, then, you know sometimes you just have to do it babe like and it's honestly better than suffering um and I just yeah I would 100% hands down be on antidepressants if I could be so back to what I was saying before just backtracking a bit I know I'm going a little bit all over the place but this is just my brain today okay (laughs) just just deal with it so I was saying earlier about the importance of protein now if we're not eating a diet rich in protein, if we're not eating protein with every single meal we're having throughout the day, then our hormones are not going to be happy and our brains are not going to be happy and our bodies aren't going to be happy and we're going to end up potentially malnourished and protein deficient. And especially my vegans and vegetarians out there, you need to make sure that you're eating complementary proteins and you need to make sure that you are eating a decent amount of protein with every single meal that you're eating, including snacks. So you want to be aiming for, you know, like roughly about three meals a day, having some snacks in between if you can is really great or some dessert, um, which doesn't need to be anything you know, super sugary. It could just be some fruit or yogurt or something. But I'm not going to go too much into detail about that in this podcast episode. But if you would like to explore more of that with me, like I said earlier, I do offer nutrition coaching sessions and I do offer the sex and nutrition coaching hybrid, which would be perfect for you if you are someone who lives with PMDD and PME and you are wanting to improve your symptoms through nutrition and through a more holistic alternative health kind of lens. Yeah, super happy (coughs) to help you with that. So yeah, the sex and nutrition coaching hybrid is absolutely perfect for you if you have PME or PMDD. So just go to the show notes. There will be a link to book an alignment call. Now this alignment call is a 15 minute phone call. It's free. And basically, it's to make sure that I'm the right practitioner for you. And it's basically so that you can have a bit of a vibe check with me and make sure that you want to work with me and invest your money in me and your time. Um, And then we go from there. So yeah, if you don't know much about me or what I do, just check out all of the links in the show notes, go to my website, have a look around, have a read, get a feel for what I do. I have a lot of experience in a lot of different areas, a lot of different, yeah, passions and interests. And obviously one of those things is PMDD and PME because I live with it. And I think that's really important to keep in mind when choosing a practitioner because people aren't going to get it if they don't live with one of these conditions. They are not going to get it. So yeah, also if even if you're not really too keen on the nutrition side of things, even if you just want some support coping with PME and PMDD, I do offer coaching for that as well. All you need to do is book a sex coaching session. I know technically it's not sex, but it does come under that um, heading because it's related to the menstrual cycle and all of that. Um, potentially in the future, I am going to create a separate coaching offer 
that is just like PME and PMDD coaching and support. But for now, just book a sex coaching session. And if you have any questions or you're a bit confused, um, just send me an email to gem at iamawildgem.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram at the blood slut. My email address and Instagram handle are always in the show notes. <laughs> so if you don't know how to spell any of that, go straight to the show notes. Everything is always there for you written out nice, plain and clear. And like I said, go and check out my website, explore what I do, get to know me. I do, yeah, really want to help as many of you as I can because I've been through this. I've been living with these conditions for a couple of years now and I have a lot of support and guidance to offer. Now, intuitive eating is another thing that I think is really important for managing and coping with PMDD and PME because it, you're practicing mindfulness. Intuitive eating is a form of mindfulness. And the more mindfulness that you're practicing in your everyday life, the less dissociated you're going to be, the more present you're going to be, the more relaxed you're going to feel, and the less you're going to be in your head and the more you're going to be present in your body, in your physical body. And obviously things like, you know, yoga, vinyasa yoga, um, hatha yoga, uh, uh, what is it, uh, yoga nidra, any kind of yoga is really great because you're pairing the breath and the movement, um, it's really good for your brain. Um, what were some other things that I was going to say? Oh yeah, a huge thing is deep diaphragmatic breathing. So I mentioned that in the episode last week. So it's really important to practice breath work as well as meditation. So while you're meditating, you might be focusing on your breath at some points, but it's not necessarily a direct breath work practice. So I do recommend practicing breath work as well. Um, once again, like uh, I will be releasing meditations and breath work kind of videos and audios on um to help you cope with these things in the future. So keep a lookout for those. But I do have a vulva love meditation, um, which has a little bit of breath work in it, which you can get for free. And the link is in the show notes as well. And yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, I often talk about breath work on there. I have uh, actually a live, which is kind of like a bluey kind of color to it that I go through um, alternative nostril breathing, which is a really great way. You can just look it up um, to relax the body if you're feeling really anxious. I also chucked a link to that in the show notes. And deep belly breathing is really, really important because a lot of the time we're breathing from our chest, not from our belly. And the more that we're breathing into our chest, the more anxious we're going to feel. So yeah, breath work super important and pairing your breath with movement like yoga or dance um, is even better. <sighs> and obviously things like orgasms and sex for stress release are really incredibly important. And remembering to track your cycle so that you know when, you know, what symptoms usually come when, what things, what things help you when. Just noting down all of these things is a really good app called Me vs. PMDD. Um, that I've recently downloaded. That's really good. Uh, obviously, things like supplements like zinc are really good for uh, your immunity um, and especially important if you're, again, vegan or vegetarian. 
Um, make sure you're getting your omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, omega-3 fatty acid deficiency has been very strongly linked for decades with depression. So making sure that you are eating salmon or tuna that's wild caught or if you're vegan or vego, having a supplement, um, really, really important. Yeah, or oh, seed cycling is another thing as well. There's a really great website um, that can educate you more on that and you can actually buy the seeds already crushed up. So seed cycling is really good for, uh, there's actually research to show that it's really effective for PMDD. And yeah, it's basically alternating between pumpkin seeds and flax seeds and sesame seeds and sunflower seeds throughout different parts of your cycle. So I will put the link to their website in the show notes as well because that's an amazing thing to know about. And there's actually a podcast episode on the PMDD Summit podcast, which talks about seed cycling and they actually interview the founder of the seed cycling um, shop, online shop. So yeah, the PMDD Summit podcast is a really, really great way to learn about all the latest PMDD treatments. And it's a very like holistic alternative health kind of podcast as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's really good because for some of us, pharmaceuticals don't work or we can't take them due to side effects. So I think it's really, really important to have knowledge about what other options are out there. And yeah, I think things like, you know, massages, um, Kundalini yoga, kinesiology, Reiki healing, energy healing, any kind of stuff like that that's going to help you to let go of old baggage and shit, release shame. Any of those kinds of things are really, really great. Now, I want to chat specifically about PME for a moment. So if you're someone who lives with complex PTSD, uh, PTSD, BPD, anxiety, depression, panic disorder, any mental illness that is exacerbated during your premenstrual phase obviously the way that you're going to lessen the extent of the exacerbation is going to be through reducing the symptoms of the mental illness itself so you want to think about not band-aiding not trying to um, cope with it you want to actually think about healing and recovering from that mental illness if you can obviously some mental illnesses for example like OCD you do have them like they are lifelong so you know that will be mostly about managing the symptoms and recovering as much as you can but with things like complex PTSD PTSD BPD etc you can recover from them um, pretty much fully and you can get to a place where you have a really good handle on things and of course the only way that you're going to be able to recover and reduce your PME symptoms is going to be through therapy and I highly recommend if especially if you have significant trauma or even any kind of trauma even if you just have anxiety or depression and you don't have a lot of trauma I would really suggest doing EMDR. So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing and you can just give it a google chat to your psychologist about it Uh, It's usually only clinical psychologists and 
uh, psychotherapists who can, I think maybe some counsellors who can do EMDR therapy, who are uh, qualified to do EMDR therapy. So make sure that if you haven't seen a psychologist yet or you're about to find a new psychologist, try and find one who does EMDR because not all psychologists do offer EMDR and it is so life-changing. Honestly, you get to a point with talk therapy, with CBT, with ACT where you're just not really making a lot of difference, like you're not having a lot of shifts and you can only kind of get so far with it. Obviously, you're still going to do some talk therapy amongst the EMDR. You're not just going to do straight EMDR, but your therapist will be able to give you more information about that and guide you through that. I don't know where I would be without EMDR. As someone who lives with BPD and complex PTSD, it is essential that I do EMDR because it's psychosomatic. So it's actually... You know, you know that book, I haven't actually read it yet, but The Body Keeps the Score. You know how trauma is stored in your physical body? EMDR actually allows you to process that trauma so that it is no longer stored in your body. And it processes it from your uh, hippocampus in your brain to your prefrontal cortex. And I hope I got that part of the brain right, the hippocampus, but... Basically, you, uh, when you have trauma, you have maladaptive memories that your brain has not processed, which is why you have PTSD flashbacks. It's why you have BPD episodes and all of those things. So yeah, EMDR is essential. Something else that I've heard uh, spoken about on PMDD uh, Facebook pages and things is the SAD, so S-A-D, lamp and you might have heard of that honestly don't know much about it I've just seen it today so yeah maybe have a look at that as well Um, I'm pretty sure it's all to do with your circadian rhythm and really good for sleep hygiene and really good for I think depression as well because it if you're in a dark space or you're in a, a country that doesn't see a lot of sunlight and you get seasonal depression and things like that can be really good for those things because it gives you a natural light that doesn't actually have any uv rays in it so it doesn't actually damage your skin so look into that so sad in capitals lamp make sure you check out the pmdd and pme support groups on facebook they really are super great and please make sure you check out the show notes of this episode and last week's episode and the episode before that as well because there are loads of resources and really great information yeah i really hope that this two-part uh two-parter on tools um to manage and cope with your premenstrual disorders was helpful um if there's anything that you would like me to go into more detail on or any questions that you have remember that I am going to be doing a Q&A either next week or the week after so yeah if you have any, if you want to know any of the topics that I've spoken about in this two-parter if you want to know know them in more detail or have any other kinds of questions or any stories or any recommendations any pharmaceuticals alternative medicines remedies anything that you've found has been helpful for you if you would like to share that with our community that would be amazing um and yeah you can just send those uh to my instagram or to my email and i think that's all i want to share that was probably a lot of information to take in and yeah i just really hope it's been helpful i obviously haven't spoken much about the social or interpersonal uh side of 
coping and managing, um, but I'm going to hopefully be doing an episode with Brody on that soon. So stay tuned for that. We're going to yeah talk all about how partners and close friends and family can support you um, with your PMDD and PME and how you can also maybe not... <laughs> burn bridges or hurt people or maybe just like how to kind of cope with conflict you know thoughts and different things we'll go into more of like the kind of cognitive um, side of things because you know for a lot of us we have a lot of negative thoughts during this time and uh, our inner critic can come out a lot so I'm going to go into more detail on that in a later episode so don't worry I am going to cover that (laughs) okay thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode And it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to this podcast because it really helps the podcast get pushed up in the algorithm. And as a small podcast, that's really important to get us going so we can reach as many sluts as possible. Thanks so much. Sluts, I'll see you next time.